the opposite or the violation of Tawheed and Ilahiyah, the Tawheed and the that related to the right of Allah to be worshipped alone and we said that the opposite of it, it is shirk and the shirk is of two types shirk akbar and shirk asghar and we said that shirk akbar it is major shirk which takes a person out of Islam and shirk asghar it is minor shirk which causes a defect or a deficiency in the tawheed however it doesn't negate it totally or take the person out of Islam and the shaykh has given some examples of shirk asghar that is ostentation when a person does something which should be done for the sake of Allah alone as an act of worship and they beautify that act or they improve it because they want to be seen or because they want to be praised or because someone is watching them and also he said from those things which are acts of minor shirk, shirk asghar is swearing by other than Allah making an oath by other than Allah instead of swearing by Allah swearing by the Kaaba or swearing by something other than Allah and he said also joining or making a comparison or, or making equality between Allah and the creatures saying that if it was not for your will and the will of Allah or it is your will and the will of Allah if it wasn't for you and so and so all of these things we said that this type of speech it is these are acts of minor shirk And he has given a number of examples. Uh, then we talked about Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Which is the Tawheed of the Lordship. That Allah is the Rabb. He is the Khalik, the Creator. The Razik, the Provider. He is the one who gives life and death and controls the affairs of the universe. So this Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, he said it is to acknowledge with certainness that Allah is the Rabb, the Lord of everything, and the owner of it, and the creator of it, and the one who manages and arranges the affairs, and controls the affairs of the universe. After this, we reach question number 50, which we want to discuss tonight, and it is related to the previous question number 49. It is, what is the opposite of Tawheed al-Rububiyyah? If we know that Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, it is to single out Allah as being the only one that may be described or given credit for the control over the affairs of the universe, then what is the opposite of this Tawheed of Rububiyyah? The Shaykh, he says, it is the i'tiqad or the belief that a person has a belief or a conviction that there is someone or something else, mutasarrif, that has control over the affairs uh, of the universe, that the belief that there is something or someone else along with Allah the mighty and majestic that has control over the affairs of anything from the affairs of the control of the universe and controlling anything of the affairs of the universe to believe or to have the conviction that there is anyone or anything along with Allah in any of the matters of the control of the universe then this is what we call يعني, shirk in rububiyyah the belief that there is someone or something that shares with Allah his authority as the Rabb, as the Lord of the world, the creator and the one who maintains the affairs of the universe. Then he mentions some of those things that are part of the Rububiyah or the Lordship of Allah. He said such as Ijad, yani bringing something into existence, creating something, bringing something into existence that did not exist before. And ijad, it means to take something that is non-existent 
Yani to make something from something that doesn't exist. Not to take something that is existing and reshape it or re- remold it, no. But to bring something into existence from nothingness. This is from the things that if anybody ascribes it to other than Allah, it is shirk in rububiyyah. Or the taking things out of existence, or giving life and causing death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who has the absolute authority to give life and to cause death. And no one can kill any life in this world except that Allah allows it, because Allah has power over everything. He said also from amongst those things is attributing to other than Allah that someone has the ability to bring about good or to repulse evil or harm. And he said, other aspects of rububiyyah, any other aspects of rububiyyah that are contained under this category of tawheed and rububiyyah, everything that violates it, whether it is in the matters of the providing for the creatures or giving life or causing death or controlling the affairs, anyone who believes that there is something or someone who has a share in the control of these affairs along with Allah, then this is the opposite of tawheed and rububiyyah, and it is shirk. In then he adds another matter here, which is also a part of the violation of Tawheed and Rububiyyah. He said, to believe that there is a one who can challenge or dispute or contest Allah in anything of the matters which are necessitated or which are the necessary result of the names of Allah and His characteristics. We mean by this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names, that Allah is Al-Alim, for example. What is necessitated by this name is that Allah has knowledge of everything. And therefore Allah knows everything. Allah knows everything that has happened and that is happening and that will happen and so on. So, those things which are the necessary results from the names of Allah or the characteristics of Allah, whoever believes that there is someone who can challenge or dispute or contest Allah in these things, that they can share with Allah, they can compete with Allah in these things, this is also a violation of Tawheed and Rububiyyah. He said, as an example of this, he said, like any believing that someone can challenge Allah in those things which are the necessary result of Allah's names and characteristics, like Ilm al-Ghayb, the knowledge of the unseen. But only Allah has knowledge of the unseen. Whoever imagines that there is someone else who shares in that and this is a violation of Tawheed and Rububiyyah. Likewise, he said, Al-Azama wal-Kibriya and other similar characteristics, yani, the greatness or the majesty of Allah and the glory of Allah, that whoever imagines that there is someone who shares in, this, in these characteristics as they are attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is shirk in the Tawheed of Rububiyyah. And the Shaykh mentions, a large number of proofs dealing with this matter of shirk in rububiyyah and showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls all of the affairs of the universe. The first of what he has mentioned is from Surah Al-Fatir, chapter 35, verses 2 and 3, the saying of Allah, that whatever Allah opens or grants to the people of Rahmah, whatever Allah gives to the people of Rahmah, of mercy, then no one can hold it back. No one can hold back that which Allah has offered. 
And whatever Allah holds back, then there's no one who can grant it. There's no one who can give it after him. Yani whatever Allah offers, nobody can stop it. And whatever Allah holds back, nobody can give it. Indeed, Allah is the mighty and the wise. Ya yuhannas, udhkuru ni'mat Allahi alaykum. Hal min khalitin ghayrullah yaruzukukum min as-sama'i wal-ard. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed the people, O mankind, remember the favor of Allah upon you. Yani the bounties of Allah that He has given, which are many, innumerable, and uncountable. He said, Is there any creator other than Allah who provides you from the heavens and the earth? Is there any other creator that can give you of these bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us freely and continuously? Indeed, the question, it answers itself. Indeed, there's no one other than Allah. There's no other creator that can provide for the people or the creatures in the heavens or the earth. Then he mentions also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 107. وَإِنْ اللَّهُ بِدُرٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُوَ That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He causes any harm or hurt to come to a person, to afflict a person, then there is no one that can uncover it or remove it except Allah. وَإِنْ يُرِدْكَ بِخَيْرٍ فَلَا رَادَ لِفَضْلِهِ And if Allah wants that good come to somebody, then there is nobody who can reject it or repulse it or can push it away from them. Nobody can reject what Allah has given out of His bounty or His favor. Then he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Zumr, chapter 39, verse 38. أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَدَعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is here asking a question to cause the, human, the people to think. Have you seen that which they are calling upon besides Allah? Yani other than Allah, that which is less than Allah and everything is less than Allah. Have you seen or do you reflect upon and think about that which they are calling upon, they are supplicating to, they are seeking uh, their needs to be fulfilled. Those whom they are calling on or that which they are calling on other than Allah. إِنْ أَرَادَنِي اللَّهُ بِدُرٍ هَلْ هُنَّ كَاشِفَاتُ دُرِّهِ Yani if those things that they are calling on, if Allah wanted some harm to come to me, can those idols or those false gods, can they remove that harm that Allah wants for someone, can they remove it? أَوْ أَرَادَنِي بِرَحْمَةٍ هَلْ هُنَّ مُمْسِكَاتُ رَحْمَتِهِ Or if Allah wants to grant someone his rahmah, his mercy, can those things, those idols of false gods that the people are calling upon, can they hold back the rahmah of Allah that He wants to give to somebody? Qul Allah Then Allah ordered the Prophet to say that Allah is sufficient. And it is upon Allah that those, any the true believers, those who put their trust, they put their trust in Allah alone. It is Allah alone who we put our trust in, and we rely upon, and we depend upon. After that, <coughs> he mentioned further ayats which talk about the knowledge of Allah, the comprehensive knowledge of Allah. From amongst those ayats, he mentioned a portion of the ayat from Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 59. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has the keys of the unseen, the knowledge of the unseen. It is with Allah and no one knows them except Him. And then He mentioned likewise from Surah Al-Naml chapter 27 verse 65. That no one knows the ghayb, the unseen. No one in the heavens 
knowing the earth knows the unseen except Allah. All of this is showing the power of Allah uh, and the control of Allah of, over everything and the knowledge of Allah, that Allah's knowledge is comprehensive and complete and perfect and there's no one who has knowledge like the knowledge of Allah. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 255 That they do not encompass anything of his knowledge, of the knowledge of Allah, except that which he wills. Allah gives from his knowledge to whomever he wills, as much as he wills. But no one has any of the knowledge that, is, that belongs to Allah except according to the will of Allah he gives to whomever he wills. Then he mentioned from the hadith, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that which is reported in the Sahih of Muslim and in the Qutb al Sunan, the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that Allah, the Most High, He will say, "Al Azamatu Izari wal Kibriyau Ridai, faman nazaani wahidan minhuma askantuhu nari." That Al Azamah, يعني magnificence and glory, it is the Izar of Allah. It is my Izar. Mean the Izar, it is yani, what is worn, that, that what the person wears as a lower garment. He said that Al Azama, magnificence and glory, it is my Izar. And Al Kibriya, greatness and pride, it is my Rida, the upper garment. Yani, nobody should cover themselves with these things. Nobody should try to yani, claim that they have a right to these things. He, he said, whoever contends with me in any one of these things, yani, contending that they have greatness or magnificence or glory like Allah, he said, whoever contends with me in, any one of, in either of these things, then I will cause them to dwell in my fire. So this is also showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exclusive uh, in His greatness and His glory and His power over everything in the creation and that no one should describe himself with these descriptions that belong to Allah alone. This is what the Shaykh has mentioned concerning Ar-Rububiyyah yani What is Tawheed Ar-Rububiyyah and what is the opposite of it, the violation of it And after this, in question number 51, he talks about the last aspect of Tawheed Of the three aspects that he mentioned in the uh, first question about Iman in Allah That the Iman in Allah requires the acknowledgement of the existence of Allah And the various aspects of Tawheed And the first two aspects of Tawheed, Tawheed Al-Ilahiyah or Uluhiyah that Allah is the only one that deserves to be worshipped is well known even if it is violated by many of the Muslims today that many of the people are offering worship some acts of worship to other than Allah and the Tawheed of Rububiyyah it was even known and acknowledged by the pagan disbelievers in the time of the Prophet they acknowledged that Allah is the creator and he is the lord of the world but then they used to worship something along with him however in this aspect of Tawheed Tawheed al-Asma al-Sifat it is an aspect of Tawheed that is not well known even to many of the Muslims and for this reason it requires some attention and it should be given attention so that one can understand it well in order to know what are the rights of Allah in reference to the beautiful names that he has named himself with or those characteristics, those lofty characteristics which he has described himself with. Here the Shaykh he says in this question what is Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat what is this Tawheed that deals with the names and characteristics of Allah. He said, Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat it is al-Iman bima wasaf Allah ta'ala bihi nafsahu fi kitabihi wa wasafahu bihi rasooluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min al-Asma al-Husna wa sifat al-Ula wa imraruha kama ja'at bila kayf. 
Tawheed al-Asma'u al-Sifat, as the Shaykh has described it here, Rahimahullah, he said it is to have faith in all that Allah has described himself with in his book. And what his messenger Muhammad وسلم, has described him with, yani in the authentic hadith, in the sunnah, from those beautiful names and those lofty characteristics, yani whatever we found in the Qur'an and whatever we found in the authentic sunnah, of names or characteristics or descriptions or qualities for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat requires that we believe in all of those things if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that he has a faith then it is only for us to believe it it is our, it is our responsibility to believe it he has described himself in this way if the Prophet sallallahu has described Allah with any characteristic even if we as human beings don't understand the real nature of it because the characteristics of Allah are divine and the human beings are, are human they are not capable of comprehending completely however if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described himself with a characteristic or the Prophet sallallahu has described him with any characteristic it is our responsibility merely to believe in it as the Shaykh says here that we must believe in it in those names and characteristics and we must pass over them just as they have come to us without explaining the how of them. Not trying to explain how is Allah's face or how are Allah's hands, but only accepting it as it is. How is Allah's power or Allah's knowledge? It is accepting it just as it is without trying to explain the how of it. Because the how of it, it is the reality of it. And that is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, this is, yani believing in these names and characteristics and accepting them just as they are without trying to explain the how of it. It is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has combined these two matters, that is, the confirmation or affirmation of his names and characteristics and the negation of the how of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated them in a number of places in the Qur'an. From amongst them, he has mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Taha, chapter 20, verse 110. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يَحِيْتُونَ بِهِ عِلْمًا This ayat has been interpreted by the scholars of tafsir in more than one way. However, the shaykh he is using it according to the tafsir of al-imam al-tabari, the imam of the scholars of tafsir and other scholars of the later day scholars like al-imam al-shawkani, they have interpreted it in the way that the shaykh has used it here. And that is, and also the scholars have explained the beginning of the ayat as well as the end of the ayat in different ways. Some of them said, يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ That it means Allah, He knows what is in front of them. وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ And what is behind them. Some of them said, He knows what is in front of them, meaning this, the affairs of this world. And the other scholars said the opposite. It means the matters of the next life. What will happen on the judgment day. And what is behind them, some of them said it means in the next life. And some of the other scholars said, it means in this life. In any case, the point here is that Allah knows what is in front of them and what is behind them. And He knows all of their affairs, whether in this world or in the next life. Some of the scholars have, 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 have interpreted this part of the ayat as meaning that they cannot encompass Allah in their knowledge. They cannot encompass Allah in their knowledge. And some of the other scholars said that it means that they can not encompass this knowledge, the knowledge that Allah has of His creatures, of everything that is before them and everything that is behind them. In any case, the meaning that the Shaykh intends here is that the creatures of Allah, they are not able to encompass 
their Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by their knowledge. Their knowledge is limited. So it is not capable of understanding everything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what he has used it here for. And that is what many of the scholars like Al-Imam Al-Tabari have, have, they have interpreted it. That they cannot encompass Allah. They cannot encompass him ilma through their knowledge. They cannot understand the whole or the reality or the totality of Allah and the matters related to Allah and his names and his characteristics and so on by their knowledge. Then the Shaykh mentioned the ayat that is commonly used by most of the scholars of Sunnah concerning the affirmation and the negation, the affirmation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has these characteristics which which he has described himself or these names and the negation of asking the how of them. And in the first ayat, the how, the encompassing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the human being is not capable of doing so. Therefore, we do not try to explain the how of it, but whatever Allah has informed us about himself, we accept it just as it is understood in the Arabic language. And this ayah from Surah Al-Shura, chapter 42, verse 11, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيرُ الْبَصِيرُ That there is nothing like him, while he is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. In this ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates that there is anything like him. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ There is nothing like Allah. Therefore, we shouldn't try to explain anything concerning the characteristics of Allah, the how of them, or the reality, or the nature of them. But we only know the outward meaning that is understood in the language. He said, even though there is nothing like him, But he affirms that Allah is a samir that one of his names is a samir the one who is all-hearing, and whose hearing encompasses everything, and he is al-basir, the one who is all-seeing, and his sight encompasses everything. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-An'am, Chapter 6, verse 103, That the sight of the creatures cannot encompass Allah, But Allah, He encompasses yani, all sight and everything that exists, And He is the most kind and the one who is well aware, all aware, or well acquainted with all things. So these ayats show that while Allah knows everything and has power over everything, that this cannot be affirmed for the creatures. It is affirmed for Allah and negated for the creatures. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be comprehended completely. The how or the nature or the reality of Allah's characteristics cannot be understood by the human beings. But we understood the outward meanings of them. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, he is and bountiful and merciful, then we understand the outward meaning of it. Then the Shaykh said that there are other ayats similar to this in meaning, showing the Tawheed, uh, showing this aspect of Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, yani that it requires affirmation of what Allah has said about Himself and the negation of the how of it. Then he mentioned from the Sunnah, the Hadith of the Prophet that is reported by Tirmidhi from Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu, that the mushrikeen, they said to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he mentioned their false gods, they said, describe to us the ancestry of your Lord. What is the nasab, the ancestry of your Lord? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed concerning this question from the pagans, he revealed, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَد Say Allah, He is Ahad, He is one, unique. There is nothing like Him. Allahu samad that Allah is self-sufficient and He is the one that has no, has no need of anyone or anything while everything is in need of Him. 
and that al-samad it is the one who lam yalid wa lam yulad the one who does not give birth nor was he given birth to yani he doesn't give birth to anything nor was he born and here in the hadith the prophet sallallahu said the reasoning behind this it is because there's nothing which is born except that it must die everything that comes into this world that is given birth to it has to die and there's nothing that dies except that it is inherited that it leaves behind something that others will inherit that others will, others will take what they own it will be left behind to others and he said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is not befitting of him Allah doesn't die and Allah is not inherited and he, Allah owns everything in the heavens and the earth and no one can inherit it because Allah does not die then he finished the end of the surah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَادٍ and there is no one or nothing that is equal or comparable or similar to him. There is no one or nothing in existence that is equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said this means that he doesn't have any shabi, anyone who is similar to him. Nor any ideal, anyone that is equal to him. وَلَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ And there is nothing that is like him. And this hadith it is hasan لِغَيْرِهِ yani Meaning that even though it has some weaknesses in the chain of narrators, However, there are the supporting narrations which raise it up to the degree of being acceptable. Uh, again, the Shaykh continues with this topic of the Asma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the names of Allah. And in question number 52, he asks, what is the proof, what is the evidence for the beautiful names from the Qur'an, from the Kitab and the Sunnah, from the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Yani what is the evidence or the proof That there are beautiful names That belong to Allah alone And he mentioned a number of proofs from amongst them In Surah Al-A'raf chapter 70 Verse 180 Walillahi al-Husna That the Asma al-Husna The beautiful names they belong to Allah and Exclusively the right of Allah Fada'uhu biha Therefore supplicate to him by his names Wadharu al-ladheena yulhiduna fi asma'ihi And leave alone those who belie or deny or deviate who deviate concerning the names of Allah yani who reinterpret them or distort their meanings uh, then he mentioned also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Isra chapter 17 verse 110 قُلْ Allah, اللَّهِ Rahman, أَيًّا مَا تَدْعُوا فَلَهُ الْأَسْمَى الْحُسْنَى then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says call on Allah or call on Ar-Rahman yani call on him by the name Allah or call on him by the name Ar-Rahman whichever one you call on him by Falahu Al-Asma Al-Husna then indeed uh, the beautiful names they belong to him alone and in, in these two ayats there is a point that should be noted and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to call on him by his names Al-Husna biha the, the beautiful names belong to Allah, therefore call on him by them. And this is one of the things that Al-Alama Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, mentioned concerning the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that is coming, that Allah has 99 names from amongst his many names. He has 99 names which whoever ahsaha, uh, whoever preserves them or protects them or understands their meanings and their indications and calls on Allah by them, then they will enter the paradise. In this ayat it is clear that what Allah intends from these names is that a person should know their meanings. That we should know Allah's names and we should know the meanings and what they indicate and we should supplicate to him by them.
Then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Taha, chapter 20, verse 8. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa lahul al husna That Allah, there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Him, and the beautiful names belong to Him alone. And he said that there are other ayahs similar, and then he goes to mention some of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu The first of them is the hadith uh, which is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Huraira إِنَّ لِلَّهِ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ إِسْمًا مَنْ أَحْصَاهَا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has 99 names. Whoever memorizes them and knows and understands their meaning and supplicates them, scholars explain the meaning of Ihsa this way and that is the best of the interpretations of it. مَنْ أَحْصَاهَا it is not merely whoever memorizes them, but whoever identifies them and knows them and knows their meanings and supplicates to Allah by them, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, whoever does so will enter the Jannah. And the Shaykh said this hadith is in the Sahih, and indeed it is in Al-Sahihain, Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Then he mentioned the hadith which proves that the names of Allah are not limited to 99 as might be understood by some from this hadith that Allah has 99 names and whoever understands their meanings and supplicates Allah by them they will enter the Jannah many of the people understand from this hadith that Allah's names are limited to 99 however in the hadith reported by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad and by others Al-Hakim in Al-Mustadrat and others they have reported the hadith which shows that Allah's names are unlimited. They are not limited to 99, but what is meant here is that Allah has many names. From amongst them, there are 99. That whoever enumerates them, preserves them, memorizes them, understands their meaning and supplicates Allah by them, then that person would be entitled to enter the paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said, أَسْأَلُكَ اللَّهُمَا بِكُلِّ إِسْمْ هُوَ لَكَ سَمَّيْتَ بِهِ نَفْسَكَ أَوْ أَنْزَلْتَهُ فِي كِتَابِكَ أَوْ عَلَّمْتَهُ أَحَدًا مِنْ خَلْقِكَ أو استأثرت به في علم الغيب عندك أن تجعل القرآن العظيم ربي قلبي. The Prophet ﷺ supplicated with this dua that I ask you, O Allah, by every name that belongs to you, بكل اسم هو لك, every name that belongs to you. I supplicate you and I call on you by every name that belongs to you. سميت به نفسك that you have named yourself with, every name that Allah has named Himself with. أو أنزلته في كتابك. Or every name that you have revealed in your book. And some of the names of Allah He have revealed in the Quran. The Prophet ﷺ said, The names that you have revealed in your book. Or every name that you have taught anyone from amongst your creatures. Allah he, he may have taught some of the Prophets and Messengers some names that, that are not in the Quran. And He has taught the angels some names that are not in the Quran. He might select a special one, like the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, and give him some names that the other people don't know, even the angels and prophets. He said, every name that you have revealed in your book, and every name that you have taught even one from amongst your creatures, though no one else may know it. Or that which you have kept preserved in the knowledge of the unseen with yourself. And that no one knows. It is not in the Qur'an, and none of the creatures know it, but it is with Allah alone. In the ilm al-ghayb, in the unseen knowledge, it is with Allah alone. So the names of Allah, the scholar said based on this hadith, they are divided into three types. That which is revealed in the book, in the Qur'an, and that which Allah has taught to some of his creatures, whether prophets or angels or otherwise, and that which Allah has kept preserved for himself in the knowledge of the unseen and no one 
knows them. Therefore, it is clear that the names of Allah are unlimited. There is no limit to them. And no one knows those, those names which He has kept in the knowledge of the unseen. However, there are 99 names that the people may know. They are in the Qur'an and they are in the authentic sunnah. Whoever knows those 99 names, who memorized them and understood their meanings, and worship Allah by them, specifically by supplicating Allah by those names, then this person will enter the Jannah. He said, I call on you by all of these names, that you make the great, the supreme, the, the glorious Qur'an as the Rabi' Qalbi, yani as the spring or the life of my heart. And this hadith was declared to be Sahih by Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah. And before him, Al-Hakim and his Mustadrak said that it was Sahih and Al-Imam al-Zahabi Kadalik also agreed with that ruling as the hadith is Sahih. So, and these are some of the proofs that Allah has special names that are Al-Asma al-Husna that are particular to Him and that no one else shares with Him in that which is the meaning or the essence of those names to the degree of perfection as they are applied to Allah the Lord of the Worlds. In question number 53, the Shaykh says, مَا مِثَالَ الْأَسْمَى الْحُسْنَى مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ Here he mentions a number of examples. He said, what is the example of the beautiful names from the Qur'an? And after this, he, asks, he mentions also what are an ex- given example or examples of the beautiful names from the Sunnah. So he mentions a number of names. In question number 53, he gave a, lo- a large number of ayat that are examples of the Asma al-Husna, the beautiful names that are mentioned in the Qur'an. We should just make a note that the names of Allah, knowing the names of Allah and distinguishing those names from that which are not from the names of Allah requires some investigation. Because not everything that Allah is described with is a name. And not every action that Allah performs can be used to make a name for Allah. Like we know that Allah descends in the last third of the night to Samad dunya, the heaven of this world. But we don't call Allah by the name in Nazil. Allah Yanzil, but we don't say his name is Nazil, okay? So not every action that Allah is described with means that that is his name. So when we talk about the names of Allah, we have to be careful to know that not everything that he is described with is of his names, his Asma al-Husna. In any case, the Shaykh gives a large number of examples here, which we will go through as quickly as possible. The references, inshallah, should be with you, so we will not take too much time with it. First he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 34, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيًّا كَبِيرًا That indeed Allah is Ali. That is one of the names of Allah, Ali, the Most High, Kabir, the Most Great. From Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 34, the saying of Allah, That verily Allah, He is Latif, yani He is kind and He is Khabir, well acquainted, yani aware of everything. From uh, also from Surah Al-Fatir, chapter 35, verse 44, إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا That indeed, uh, نعم. إِنَّ اللَّهَ It is here, إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا If somebody has a mushaf, can you check the ayat? It is, إِنَّهُ وَإِنَّ اللَّهِ But in the text of the book he has, إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا That's very indeed, he is Alim, yani the one who is all-knowing, Qadir, the one who is all-powerful, has power over everything. And then he mentioned from Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 58, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ سَمِيعًا بَصِيرًا That indeed Allah, He is Samir, yani the one who is all-hearing, Basir, the one who is all-seeing. إِنَّهُ 
In some of the in some of the copies of the book it has in Allah in some of the Arabic texts of the book, but in any case the ayat it is in the book. Okay, after that he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al Nisa, chapter four, verse fifty six, in Allah Kana Azizan Hakima. From the names of Allah, that verily Allah is Aziz, mighty, Hakim, wise. And likewise, from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 23, Inna Allah kana ghafoorar rahima That indeed Allah is ghafoor, forgiving, and rahim, merciful. Keeping in mind that these names that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named himself with, they are not merely names, like the names of the creatures. Somebody's name might be rahim, but he might not be merciful. But Allah's names, if Allah is named with a name indeed, the characteristic or description that that name entails, Allah is also described by it. When Allah says He is Alim, it is not merely a name that He is called by, but it is also an indication that He has Ilm, that He has knowledge, that He has the perfect knowledge. So all of these names, they are not only names, but they also are indications of the characteristics or the qualities of Allah that are derived from those names. And if I'm Ar-Rahman, you derive Rahma, mercy. Allah is the merciful. So also we know that Allah is, that as a characteristic or quality we can say that Allah is merciful. That Allah is Al-Aziz, that He is the mighty. Therefore, Izzah, that Allah, He has power. And we know that Allah is power and might and so on. Then he mentioned <coughs> the saying of Allah from Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 117. إِنَّهُ بِهِمْ رَعُوفُ Rahim. That indeed Allah he is to his servants. He is with them raufun, yani compassionate or full of kindness, rahim, merciful. Or Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 263. Wallahu haleem. That indeed Allah is ghani, he is rich. Allah is free of need, he has no need of anything. Allah is the one who owns and possesses everything. And he is haleem, the one who is forbearing. And from Surah Al-Hud, chapter 11, verse 73. Innahu Hamidun Majid. That indeed Allah is Hamid, praiseworthy. Majid, glorious. And from Surah Al-Hud, chapter 11, verse 57. Inna Rabbi ala kulli shayin hafiz. That indeed my Lord, He is the guardian over everything. Hafiz. This is also from the names of Allah. And from Surah Al-Hud, chapter 11, verse 61. Inna Rabbi qareebun mujib. That indeed my Lord is Qareed, He is near. Yani near, near by His knowledge and near by His sight and near by His hearing and His power. Allah is, Allah is above the seven heavens. But He is near, Qareebun means He is near because He sees and He hears and He knows and He has power over everything. And that way it is just as the one who is near to you. Allah is Qareebun Mujib. Yani He is the one who yani answers or responds when we call on Him. From Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 1, Inna Allah kana alaykum raqiba. That indeed, or verily, Allah, He is a watcher over you, raqib, the one who monitors or watch over His creatures. Allah is watching us. Therefore, a person should be conscious of what they say and what they do. On Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 81, وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَقِيلًا And Allah is sufficient as a waqil, yani as the one who is entrusted with one's affairs, to dispose of them, to do, to take care of one's affair. Whoever put their affairs in the hands of Allah, وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا Allah is sufficient as the one to dispose of one's affairs. Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 6, وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ حَسِيبًا And Allah is sufficient as Hasib, 
as the one who takes account. Allah is sufficient in taking account. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 85, وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقِيْتًا And this expression, or this name, مُقِيْت, the scholars differ about the meaning of it. And you might find in different translations, different meanings. Al-Imam Al-Tabari, he said that it has been said that مُقِيْت, it means قَدِيرٌ that Allah is muqeet over everything, it means He is qadir, and He has power over everything. Uh, he said that, also it is said that Ibn Abbas and Atta and Fatada said it means hafiz, that Allah is over everything, hafiz, He is the one who and he protects and preserves everything. And Mujahid, and he from amongst the scholars of the Tabi'een, he said muqeet, it means shahidan, in some of the narrations he said hafiban. And all of these are possible meanings of the word muqeet, that Allah is over everything, hafizan, the one who guards everything, as Ibn Kathir mentioned. And Tabri said, and that some of them said it is qadir, that he has power over everything. In some of the books it is said that Mujahid said, shahidan, hafiban, that Allah is a witness over everything. And he is hafiban, the one who takes account over everything. So you can see that some of these names have a great comprehensive meaning. And Allah has power over everything. And he is the witness over everything and takes account over everything. And he is the one who protects and preserves everything. Indeed, the books that explain the names of Allah require study in order to know the real meanings of the names of Allah and the greatness of these names. After that, he mentioned from Surah Al-Fussalat, chapter 41, verse 53, shaheed, That Allah is a witness over everything. Shaheed. And this, these names, if, if anyone would think about the meaning of these names, that Allah is witnessing everything, then it would be a means of getting...